Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara. Which one are you paying up for this week? Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Thursday, October 28th. Frank Stanfield joined as always by Mike McClure and Sienna Jad today on the podcast. We're going to deep dive each game on the week eight main slate. And then, of course, we'll wrap up with our cheat sheet later on in the podcast. Our favorite value, Chalk Contrarian, and Stack of the Week. I realized, look, it's Halloween week, Halloween weekend. We haven't talked about Halloween at all. See ya. Are you big on Halloween? What's going on? What are the plans for this weekend? We got a party. We're trick-or-treating. What's going on? First of all, those three guys you mentioned at the top of the show, we can't put them all in one lineup with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. That's workable, right? It no? should be, right? <laughs> I think it. I think we should be able to work that in. Uh, so here's the thing. Um, I'm not huge on Halloween, but now that I have two children, uh, ages three and four, I'm going to be huge on Halloween for approximately the next seven to ten years, I'm guessing. Seven to nine years. So uh, we already did a, a little event yesterday and on Halloween, which unfortunately is on Sunday, I may have to go out at some point during the afternoon games and do some sort of trick or treat scenario down the street. And I am going to be gritting my teeth the entire time, but trying not to show it because I want my kids to have fun and not realize that, hey, it's possible that dad would rather be watching the four o'clock games. All right, well, see, look, this is the perfect holiday for you then because you could just throw on a mask. No one will see you gritting your teeth. It's perfectly fine. We could hide behind the mask there. Mike, what's going on with you? Uh, big on Halloween? Any parties this weekend? What do you got? I'm not huge on Halloween. Uh, I do have a party this weekend, <laughs> and my girlfriend has forced me to dress up for Halloween. Uh, so it will be a costume party, I believe. She asked me the other day, when was the last time I wore the costume? I think it's probably been close to 10 years. So not, not a big Halloween guy, not a big costume party guy. Uh, stepping out, outside of my comfort zone a little bit there, but that's what will be happening for me on Saturday night. All right. So I think, go ahead, I think we, Frank, I think we should have, because me and Mike clearly aren't very fun. Like the fun police arrest us all the time. It's just one of those things. However, I, I think we should be compelled to, we should have to post like a, a Halloween picture. I'm thinking of one that I, I dressed up for Halloween before I, I had my kids with, with my now wife. And it was right after Robin Williams passed away and we went as Mork and Mindy. And so I think the three of us at some point this week should have to post on Twitter like uh, a, a Halloween costume from the past or, or one from this Sunday uh, on and just kind of put that out there. All right. Well, I'm going to post my my costume anyway. I'm, I'm dressing up as one of the characters from what we do in the shadows. If, if you guys haven't watched the show, it's amazing. It's about vampires who live in Staten Island. It's it's hilarious. Um, but whoever finishes last in our FFT DFS contest has to post I don't know, the most embarrassing Halloween costume photo of yourself that you can ever find. So let's make that. Whoever finishes Last of Us uh, this weekend. Uh, with that, let's do a little bit of an overview of the week eight slate. 12 games on the main slate. So, you know, we're past Bipocalypse here. I think there's another week coming up with a bunch of buys, but uh, we do have 12 games back here on the main slate. Two with a 50-point total or higher. Uh, seven with a 50, uh, 46 and a half point total or higher, and then three double digit spreads, which are going to be fun to, to break down a little bit later on in the podcast. Let's start with a game that opened up with a 49 point total and has now climbed all the way up to 51. It is the highest on the main slate, and that is the Titans at the Colts. The Colts are one and a half point favorites, and all these odds come via Caesars Sportsbook for the injuries. The Titans, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Bud Dupree, Roger Saffold, and Chester Rogers did not practice on Wednesday. It feels like A.J. Brown has not been at practice for a single Wednesday uh, all season, so I think that he'll be just fine. 
Can't really say the same about Julio Jones, unfortunately. And then for the Colts, T.Y. Hilton and Xavier Rhodes did not practice on Wednesday. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines were limited. Uh, T.Y. Hilton was asked about his status on uh, for Sunday, and he said, quote, I feel good. I got some more things to do. Next two days will be big for me. So we'll find out a little bit uh, later on in the week, you know, Friday, Saturday, what's going on with T.Y. Hilton there. I think your first big decision, mention it at the top, uh, especially if you're paying, playing cash games this week, is whether to pay up for running back like Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara or allocate those funds towards Cooper Cup. You can try your best to get multiple of those in your lineup, but it's going to be really, really tough. So, Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, if you're paying up for one of those in cash this week, Derrick Henry, Kamara, Cup, which way are you going? Uh, I would rate them Cooper Cup, Alvin Kamara, then Derrick Henry, uh, especially on DraftKings, which is where we tend to shift most of the coverage here. Uh, yes, I know Derrick Henry has started to catch passes, but he's playing against a stingy enough run defense. Um, and overall, if I'm playing someone like that, it would be Kamara at the top. But Cooper Cup, pretty clearly the answer for me. Um, as you know from whatever, eight weeks of the show now, I'm typically mid-range and value running back every week. And that will be the theme again this week. All right. Uh, See, so yeah, are we looking to stack this game? Lots of fun pieces. Obviously, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Brown coming off his best game of the season. And then we do have some cheaper pieces in this game. Carson Wentz is $5,700 on DraftKings. Michael Pittman is down at 5300 As of now, both are in my cash game lineup. I don't know if it's going to remain that way. I'm, I'm thinking about whether I want to spend up at quarterback or, or just stick with Carson Wentz. Uh, but I, I do like the value on, on both Wentz and Michael Pittman this week, what do you think about the, the possibility of stacking this game? Or if not, who are some one-offs that you like in the spot? Okay, so I definitely want pieces of this game in general. Uh, some of these guys are going to be in, in most of my lineups. But I think it's stackable, too. There's probably three or four stacks that I really like this week. We talked about a few of them Tuesday. This is definitely in the top four somewhere. And, and I, I think probably... My favorite one is probably going to end up being the Bills and the Dolphins. And we'll talk about Detroit and uh, the Eagles as well. They're, they're up there in the top four. But listen, Ryan Tannehill, like Mike mentioned it, Indianapolis, it's a pretty stingy run defense, but their pass defense is quite bad. So Ryan Tannehill now starting to get his receivers back. I mean, we'll see about Julio, but we're starting to see Ryan Tannehill. I mean, it's a small sample size, but open it up just a little bit. He, he looks like he's got a little bit more confidence, especially now that A.J. Brown is healthy. And we know he can run with the ball, too, and he has some touchdown equity in terms of running running it in with his legs. So I, I like a stack with, with Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and then you bring it back with, again, that there's a lot of pieces here. I mean, the hope, I guess, would be that T.Y. Hilton is out because that's just going to pour more uh, targets into Michael Pittman. I think even if T.Y. plays, I think Pittman is a great play. Uh, like Mike said on Tuesday, he doesn't see a ton of volume, and that is a problem, but his price is definitely right, and and he makes the most out of his targets. So give me Tannehill and A.J. Brown and bring it back with either Michael Pittman or Jonathan Taylor. I'm sure Jonathan Taylor is going to be able to run against Tennessee. I think the knock on JT has been that we're just not sure how many touches he's going to get. A couple games ago, we only had two touches in the two carries in the first half, and then they gave him a lot in the second half. Last week, it evened out a little bit, though. I think he had 18 carries. He had three targets. That's pretty good. If you can get 20-plus against this Tennessee defense, you're in pretty good shape. So absolutely like the stack. Absolutely grabbing like grabbing a share here and there. Um, I agree in terms of the ranking. I would probably have Derrick Henry third in the in the Cooper Cup, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry rating system there. But that, that that's pretty much it. Pittman, JT, and uh, AJ Brown and Ryan Tannehill. I'm focused on. 
Jonathan Taylor is on fire, by the way, too. He has at least 110 scrimmage yards and a touchdown in each of his last four games. His 37 red zone opportunities lead the NFL. So uh, the snaps are starting to come up, too. Earlier in the season, he was right around 50% split in time with Naheem Hines. He's up over 60% of the snaps each of the past two week, uh, weeks. See, we heard your thoughts about uh, T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman. Mike, what do you think? If T.Y. Hilton is in, does that mean that we are off of Michael Pittman? I wouldn't say that I'm completely off of them. I might actually have even more interest. It really is just going to come down to what the ownership projections look like there. If it like if it tanks uh, Michael Pittman's ownership, then I think it's totally fine. I, I think that the thing about Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton, and the reason why we want to play Michael Pittman generally, is Michael Pittman's going to get his five-ish targets, whether T.Y. Hilton's out there or not. But when T.Y. Hilton's not out there, the game gets competitive or f- for some reason they're behind, then we can really start to recognize the upside that he might approach double-digit targets. At five targets with the ability that he has in this game against this opponent, I'm fine playing him at this price point. However, so like I'll still play him if T.Y. Hilton is active. I'm just way more interested if he's inactive. But then you have to factor in the ownership. So if the ownership projections tank if T.Y. Hilton is in, then I'm probably even more interested in Michael Pittman because you're looking at, frankly, the same floor, in my opinion, in terms of the number of targets. Um, and, and I'm willing to sacrifice some of that upside because of the the drop in ownership. Um, the only other thought I had on this game, though, is I, I'm glad you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. I would actually prefer Jonathan Taylor to Derrick Henry in this game uh, just because of the price savings, the opportunities that Taylor is clearly the guy that they want to feed, especially in the red zone. Uh, you know, I've liked Naeem Hines at times this year, and we've been wrong about that. Fortunately, it's been in showdown slates mostly, uh, where it's, you know, a little more okay to be wrong. Um, but they love him in the red zone. So I think the real interesting decision or interesting pivot this week is DeAndre Swift versus Jonathan Taylor, or potentially playing both of them. But uh, I, I think that because of Derrick Henry, because of Alvin Kamara, I think that Jonathan Taylor is a very interesting tournament play that is probably going to be under own even though this game has the highest total on the slate. Yeah, Mike, the projections that you provided us here, DeAndre Swift is checking in at 15% ownership. Jonathan Taylor is down at 8%. So, you know, you're 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 getting him at half the ownership of DeAndre Swift. And um, I don't want to say maybe he doesn't have the same upside as Swift because Swift just catches the ball so much. But, man, Jonathan Taylor is breaking off these really long runs and getting lots of opportunities to score right now. Let's move on to the Dolphins at the Bills. The Bills are 14-point favorites with a 48.5-point total. Will Fuller will not return this week for the Dolphins. And every other Dolphin that is on the active roster uh, was at practice on Thursday. That includes Devontae Parker, though I did read a tweet that he didn't look great while he was running, apparently. And then for the Bills, their tight end, Dawson Knox, who frankly has broken out the season, will not play. Uh, so we saw him leave second half before the bye, and, and he is not ready to return here in week eight. Who are the biggest beneficiaries of Dawson Knox being out? Well, back in week six when he left, Emmanuel Sanders played 92% of the snaps. That was his second most in any game this season. He had eight targets. Cole Beasley played 87% of the snaps. That was his second most of the season, uh, and he also had nine targets. Keep in mind, you know, that game was very competitive against the the Tennessee Titans, so there was a lot of back and forth, and they were passing the ball a ton. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is 5,400. Cole Beasley is 4,900 this week. See ya. I like both of these guys a lot, but give me the $500 savings. I think Cole Beasley will be on the field a lot because Dawson Knox is not there. 
Totally agree. And I, I liked and, and by the way, it's it's such a good thing to bring out anytime. The, and it's obvious to some listeners, but anytime the concentration share is narrowed, like we had in Tampa Bay last week with Antonio Brown, and we'll have it this week, too, with Antonio Brown being out. Now you've got Godwin and Evans. So now you can feel free in that game, you know, to double stack, which a lot of people did last week. And I like double stacking this one, too. I really like Josh Allen. I love that they're coming off a bye. I love that they've had extra time to scheme for a Miami defense that really just hasn't shown up, especially on the back end where you have Jones and Howard, who are really good corners that have just kind of gotten beaten a lot. Maybe that's due to some lingering injuries for the both of them. But I like Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs and with Cole Beasley as a stack. And then you can bring it back. I'm sure we'll talk about the Dolphin side in a second. But I happen to like Gasecki quite a bit. I think Waddle makes sense there too. But yeah, give me Cole Beasley over Emmanuel Sanders. Last game before the bye, Beasley was sort of reintroduced to the offense, if you will. He had nine targets, seven catches. He did quite a bit with them. And I see no reason why, especially with this slightly narrowed concentration share, that he's not going to go off again and get those full points in DraftKings, half a point in FanDuel. I love it. All right, C is all in on the Buffalo Bills here, specifically with uh, their pass catchers, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Mike, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, he, Allen is the highest priced quarterback on both DraftKings and FanDuel, and the Bills obviously have the highest implied team total on the slate, yet they're 14-point favorites. So what do you do when you have... Uh, you know, a team that's that's favored by this much. We don't know that the game is going to stay competitive. The Bills are kind of unique because they just like throw and throw and they just keep throwing. So what do you think about uh, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs this week? Yeah, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs is interesting. Like he obviously should be in your player pool. Uh, I personally am going to prefer Jalen Hurts still just because I do think that the $900 savings is critical this week. And we, we've seen the upside and frankly the floor that Jalen Hurts has. Uh, my real question or concern at some point, maybe the Dawson Knox injury wakes the Bills up a little bit in a sense, but what we've seen from the Bills so far, they're going to throw the football no matter what the game script is. Uh, they're just simply going to continue to do that. I'm wondering now that they've lost Dawson Knox for a bit, if they start to get a little more conservative with larger leads as we get a little deeper into the season. Um but I, I like Josh Allen, and I really like Cole Beasley. I do think that he's going to be the biggest beneficiary. I don't think that we have to completely rule out playing Tommy Sweeney, though, the uh, the backup quarterback. McDermott was quoted as saying Tommy Sweeney has an opportunity in front of him, whether that's just saying he obviously is going to be on the field. We know he's going to be on the field. Um, it wouldn't shock me if he's involved. It's kind of unfortunate that he caught a touchdown pass in that game against the Titans to, to throw up a pretty-looking box score. And by pretty, I mean one catch, one yard, one touchdown, but <laughs> 7.1 points does look kind of pretty still at 2,900. Um, he's someone that could be interesting. So if you want to stack this game and stack some of the other chalk players on the slate, I'm actually looking at it now, and I'm considering one way to get different enough is you compare Josh Allen – I, I, it's a situation where you could triple stack him, basically. You can play Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Tommy Sweeney and run Mike Gusecki as the bring back in the flex. You're going to have great exposure to that Buffalo passing offense. You're punting tight end, which you might already be doing with Dan Arnold this week anyway. You get the bring back with Gusecki. Now all of a sudden you can go play Cooper Cup if you want to or one of the running backs or both of those guys that you want that are still going to be popular and you're still going to have a very unique build relative to the field, I, I think it's actually a, a pretty good strategy if you want to build a Buffalo Bills stack this week. 
And you probably heard this somewhere uh, at some point this week, but Stefan Diggs is the second highest priced wide receiver on DraftKings. He's the 11th highest priced wide receiver on FanDuel. So if you're playing any kind of cash there or you're just looking for a chalk play, like Stefan Diggs should 100% uh, be in your lineups there. Uh, Mike Gusecki, you mentioned the possibility of like dual tight ends. He's not really a tight end because he runs a bunch of routes. He's seen a 20% target share over the past two weeks with Tua Tunga-Vailoa. Uh, Jalen Waddle's also there, 5,600. He has a 24% target share the last two weeks with Tua. And I've seen some love for Zach Moss. I'll just throw this out there. He's 5,200 on DraftKings. Uh, but they split the work much more evenly that last game before the bye. 10 touches each between him and, and Singletary. And Singletary actually saw more receptions in that game. He had five receptions. I believe it was just two for Zach Moss. So I'm not really on Zach Moss. Uh, Sia, do you have any interest in the run game? I mean, not really, but I think if you're picking between the two and you think because of game strip, they'll just get a few more carries. Zach Moss is definitely the guy that has the touchdown equity and probably will out-touch Devin Singletary. 5,200 is is sort of a fun price point. I certainly wouldn't play Zach Moss with, I mean, you could, but I wouldn't play him with Josh Allen. The only way I'm playing Zach Moss is if I'm stacking another game heavily and I just want to get a piece of this game that's slightly contrarian from the stacks we might see. So I might take a Zach Moss instead of like the, a Cole Beasley, for example, or maybe I'll take both of those guys but and and, and have a secondary stack that has Mike Gusecki, for example. But um, not super interested. I'm, I'm going past catchers here. I think Josh Allen might be reintroducing himself to the MVP race this week. All right. Yeah, Zach Moss. I mean, at 5,200, you need him to fall in the end zone twice there uh, in a GPP. And it's definitely possible given uh, that team total against the Miami Dolphins. The Eagles are at the Lions and the Eagles are three and a half point favorites with a 48 point total. Devontae Smith, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox all returned to practice on Thursday. Miles Sanders did not. And I am assuming as of now that he'll be out this week. And then for the Lions, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson and Trey Flowers were all limited in practice on Wednesday. So we've already talked about Jalen Hurts a lot this week. Mike, you've already mentioned his name a few times here on this podcast. Uh, he has an incredible floor ceiling conversation uh, combination, not conversation. However, he's been trailing in many of the games where he's racking up points in garbage time. So uh, the Eagles have trailed into the fourth quarter in six games this season. They have averaged being down by 11.3 points per game in those games where they're trailing heading into the fourth quarter. So that's obviously helped him, you know, be able to climb back into games, a lot of garbage time. So, Mike, does that concern you whatsoever about Jalen Hurts that maybe we don't have as much garbage time here? Maybe they're playing with a lead for once and, and then we just see more of the running backs. I'm not overly concerned with it. I think the game's going to be pretty competitive. Um, and, and, you know, anything that would have concerned me, Miles Sanders is likely going to be out. They haven't looked to pound the football on the ground all year, really. And they, at the times that they did, it it would be with Miles Sanders when they would do it uh, with the combination of Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, who are both probably better catching passes than actually running between the tackles. Uh, I don't envision that scenario. So if there is the scenario where they are up to a two score lead, there's a very high probability it's because Jalen Hurts is having a good game and they're moving the ball against a good, I mean, a, a bad football team. Um, obviously there is the scenario where their defense scores them a touchdown or two, but it's not something that we're necessarily projecting. Um, so I, I'm personally am not worried at all about Jalen Hurts. All right. Well, this is one of the higher totals on the slate, and it's inside of a dome, so obviously uh, you should have a lot of interest in this game. See, who are your favorite plays? We have a lot of interesting names here. DeAndre Swift leads all running backs in targets 
and receptions. He also has 25 red zone opportunities on the season. If there's no Miles Sanders, then we get some savings here. Kenneth Gainwell is 5K on DraftKings, and Boston Scott is 4,400. And then we also have the pass catchers for the Eagles, which I think will be pretty popular. Dallas Goddard is 4,700. Uh, he ran a season high in snaps last week without Zach Ertz. And then Devontae Smith is 5,500. Still has a really strong target share. The issue is he hasn't scored since week one. So who are you looking at in this game? There's there's a lot to like with this game. And I love, I love the dome part of it too. But let's start with DeAndre Swift. I think he's interesting because if you recall, like nobody really wanted to play him last week. When we recapped our GPP lineups, I had him in one and he was like 7% owned and he was only 6,000. And now he's gotten 1,100 dollar price jump and it looks like he's going to be twice as popular if not more than than last week which i just find really really interesting because he is one of those guys that that i i often deem some guys gsp right game script proof and he is one of those guys and so i think whether it's this game or against a, a very good rams team uh you should be playing him i don't know if i'm going to get to him this week to be honest with you I, inside a stack I, I probably will i'll find a way but i also like tj hawkinson i mean the the eagles can't cover uh the tight end we saw that we would have seen it with darren waller but we certainly saw it with moreau last week as well hawkinson's getting a ton of targets he's got 20 targets over the last two weeks i expect him to get fed quite a bit with deandre swift and maybe khalif raymond um, and and I, I do expect the Lions to be trailing in this one. So I think they're great. And on the Eagles side, I like Gamewell over Scott because I think he'll get way more targets. They'll probably have a split backfield. I love the price for Gamewell, so I'm cool there. And I'll take another shot at Devontae Smith, but Dallas Goddard is my favorite for sure. Mike, where do you land on uh, Boston Scott versus Kenneth Gainwell? The Lions have been torched by pass-catching running backs this season in, in terms of touchdowns. They've given up six receiving touchdowns to running backs. That is tied for most in the NFL. Which one do you like more, Gainwell or Boston Scott? Uh, as of right now, it's going to be Boston Scott, but it's only going to be because of the projected ownership and the cost savings. Um, you know, I, I think that both are extremely volatile in, uh, in playing both of them this week. So just the cost savings and the reduced ownership that allows me to get to certain places. But either way, I'll have both running backs in my player pool. Uh, I, I like them quite a bit here, and I do think they're both going to be involved catching passes. It, it's going to be, in my opinion, a lot. I know we're recording this right now on Thursday. If you watch Thursday Night Football tonight, I, I think the Packers are going to lean on their two running backs out of the backfield catching passes. I think they're going to lean on the tight ends. I think that's what's going to happen again here for the Eagles as well. Uh, on the other side, I think one of my favorite tournament plays of the week is going to be Amonio St. Brown. Uh, I absolutely love that he did not see a target last week. Um, after having seven targets in week six, eight in week five, eight in week four, with at least five catches in each one of those games, he did not receive a target last week. Um, he played, and he's going to be out there again this week, and we expect them to be trailing again. But that zero with the zero targets last week while actually being on the football field, not going to sit well with a lot of daily fantasy players. I like him at 3,900 this week. I think he's a super interesting play in pretty much every format that gives you some really good exposure, especially if you're already considering playing Dallas Goddard or Jalen Hurts or both of them together. Uh, I, I really like him on your St. Brown at 3,900. 
All right, let's move on to the Rams at the Texans. The Rams are 14.5-point favorites with a 47.5-point total. And uh, left tackle Andrew Whitworth and two defensive starters for the Rams, Terrell Lewis and Jordan Fuller, did not practice on Wednesday. And then for the Texans, Tyrod Taylor returned to practice on Wednesday, and it seems like he will be back in Week 8. The Rams are in a similar position as the Buffalo Bills. Uh, They have the second-highest implied team total on the slate. Obviously, uh, they've got some some really big names here in this game, uh, but they're they're huge favorites at 14 and a half. So how are we handling that? Uh, as of now, uh, my DraftKings cash lineup has both Cooper Cup at 9K. He is the highest priced player on the slate and Daryl Henderson, who is 6,500. Uh, both of them are in the lineup. See, what do you think about having both of those guys in your cash lineup? And uh, what else are you doing here? Rams and Sexons. Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I almost kind of give up on the Rams, right? I don't, I don't know what to do because it, you, you kind of, it feels like you have to play Cooper Cup every week, and and I'm not necessarily doing that, and I'm getting burned every time. I'll tell you though, on that side of the ball, I think I like Daryl Henderson the best. If we're if we're talking about value and pricing, I think I like Daryl Henderson the best there at 6,500. He totally fell flat last week, but it's the same logic that Mike just mentioned about Amonra St. Brown. Like if your recency bias is just last week, you're probably doing it wrong, right? Like, I mean, your sample size should probably be a little bit bigger than that. And Daryl Henderson still got 18 touches last week and he gets to play a defense that's almost allowed a thousand yards to running backs just this year. I mean, it's, it's a right around 900. They've allowed seven touchdowns. I think Daryl Henderson's getting in the end zone and I think he might get that hundred yard bonus as well. So he's my favorite, obviously Cooper cups in play. I mean, I, I don't know what to do with Robert Woods anymore. I mean, it's almost to me, like if you want to play Robert Woods then maybe you should just play Van Jefferson and, and get the savings there. No Higby for me. So for me, it's Henderson and cup. Uh, I think stacking this game is fine. I think uh, a Stafford and Cup stack with, you know, one of those secondary receivers and bringing it back with Brandon Cooks makes a lot of sense. But I'm not going to be heavily stacking this game, but I will be playing a lot of Daryl Henderson. Yeah, Daryl Henderson in cash games that I played in last week, he was around 70% owned. I think he probably checks in somewhere around that point again. He is $100 less than he was last week in arguably a better matchup. So the Mm -hmm. Houston Texans are one of only two teams allowing over five yards per carry to running backs this season. And Daryl Henderson just came off a game where he played 88% of the snaps, which is a massive amount uh, for any running back here. See, you mentioned you don't like Tyler Higbee. I kind of like Tyler Higby. There is no better matchup for tight ends right now. Uh, the, the Texans have given up seven total touchdowns to the position in seven games this season. The price point is up there at, at 4500 But Mike, I'll throw it your way. Uh, Tyler Higby, any interest there? The Texans also traded Mark Ingram. So like, I know this is gross, but David Johnson is 4200 and Philip Lindsay is 4 k They are super cheap. They are super cheap, and honestly, you know, we laugh a little bit when we talk about them, but I think they're really fine alternatives to those uh, Eagles running backs where you're depending on game script a little bit and them catching passes. I will say that uh, I think this game could be a little more competitive than the spread indicates. Um, There's a couple things working in our favor in that, and one of them is that they get a massive upgrade at quarterback, uh, getting Tyra Taylor back. Huge deal for them. Also, the Rams, they are on a time zone shift here. They're going to be a West Coast team traveling, not necessarily traveling to the East Coast, but definitely traveling to Central Time here. It's going to be an early start time-ish for them. So it's something that we note uh, with these NFL teams, especially those teams coming from California like that. Uh, and I just think it's a big upgrade for the Texans getting their quarterback back, at least. Obviously, they, they did make the trade. So there's some value there. But for me personally, I'm going to be playing a lot of Cooper Cup. 
I do like Henderson, and I think one I, – again, I play five lineups typically on, on a main slate. One of my five lineups this week, I'm going to get a little bit different. I'm going to end up fading Cooper Cup there. I'm going to try and play Henderson, Swift, and Taylor, all three, uh, with the two running back spots and the flex spot, and lead to some really different roster construction. But I, just like Jonathan Taylor, I like I, I like Henderson in this spot. I think it's a great bounce-back spot for him. I think he finds the end zone twice, and uh, I think it's a really good spot for him. But as far as stacking the game, I'm not likely to do it in one of my five lineups. I think if you're playing you know, 10 to 100 lineups, then I think it's probably fine. But for me personally, I don't like stacking the game more than just playing Cooper Cup in most of the cash game lineups. Honestly, anytime you have the opportunity to play Taylor Swift together, I, I think you gotta, you know, at least consider it. <laughs> gotta. The Panthers are. Hey, can I just say, Frank? I'm glad you brought up uh, David Johnson because I, I like him. I, I like the value there at 4,200, especially in garbage time. I mean, we'll get receptions anyway, but in garbage time, if that exists, he's going to get plenty of receptions there too. So I think he's a super smart play at that price. Yeah, he has a 12% target share this season. So. Uh, for a running back, that's that's actually a, a pretty good amount there. Uh, the Panthers are at the Falcons, and the Falcons are three-point favorites. 46.5-point total. We have a divisional matchup here inside of a dome. Uh, the For the Panthers, Terrace Marshall did not practice on Thursday dealing with that concussion, and they won't know about cornerback Stephon Gilmore making his debut until later in the week. That was the quote that I saw, so... Maybe Friday we know. Maybe it's closer to Sunday, a uh, a game-time decision. Uh, but yeah, Stefan Gilmore has yet to make his debut for the Panthers. On the Falcons' side of things, cornerback A.J. Terrell was limited at practice. Uh, again, another decent total here inside of a dome. But question marks just around, I want to say everybody in this game because Sam Darnold was benched last week, but he will start. Calvin Ridley is, is coming in at, at 6600 again, which is a really good price, but... The ADOT and the usage have, have really been confusing so far this season. Corderell Patterson has, looks like, officially taken over as the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Sia, what are we doing with this game? Panthers and Falcons. I think it's a really interesting game to maybe grab a piece or two of in a big GPP or maybe even stack in a big GPP. And I, I would stack it on the Matt Ryan side in case that wasn't abundantly obvious. Um, you know, Matt Ryan has started to play a little bit better. Uh, he's starting to, to hit the guys downfield, not so much Calvin Ridley, but Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, just from an air yards and target share standpoint, they still really pop out. So I think it's kind of a sneaky snack, especially with this total being 47, to have a Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Pitts, and bring it back with, let's say, a DJ Moore, that kind of thing. Um, that's not something I'm going to do in a single entry and probably not in a three max contest, but I think it's viable. I my favorite play in this game is probably going to be Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard, I should say. Um, he didn't. I didn't play him last week. I think a lot of people did, and he, and he you know, they kind of got burned there, just like almost with not as bad as Daryl Henderson, but pretty close. I like the spot here. Uh, I, I like uh, I like what he's probably going to be able to do against the Atlanta run defense because it's not very good, and I think it's a really kind of valuable price tag at six K. So. I'm going to have some Chuba Hubbard. I'm going to take some chances, maybe on DJ Moore and bigger GPPs. Outside of that, I'm not super interested unless I'm stacking Matt Ryan with two pass catchers. Uh, Mike, I know that you mentioned Calvin Ridley either at the top of this podcast or before we started that he's popping up in, in optimal lineups this week. And again, the the salary is affordable. He's 6,600 and he saw a bunch of targets last week, but a lot of these targets have been closer to the line of scrimmage this year. He's not really seeing much down the field. There is a new head coach and and 
offensive coordinator in, in Arthur Smith there. So just not using Calvin Ridley the same way that we've seen him use in the past. Uh, do you have consideration on Ridley or DJ Moore at 7,200 this week? I really don't. Uh, Calvin, I mean, it really depends on ownership. I like each of them individually. I don't like stacking the game as much, frankly. Um, I, As of right now, I'm playing Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel. If I were to pivot off of Debo Samuel, then I would be looking at someone like Calvin Ridley. Um, but I really I don't love this game as much as I thought I was going to early in the week. Um, and I you know, could get around to playing it more depending on some, the way some of the ownership shakes out, but I, I don't trust Darnold. I don't trust that situation that's going on there, and I, I don't trust the Falcons really at all. This game has such a wide range of outcomes. Like This game could be the highest scoring game on the slate, and it really wouldn't shock me at all. And it could also be an incredibly low-scoring game. So I, I think they're fine tournament plays. I don't think I'm going to end up sneaking either one of them into cash games. Um, and then I got to leave you with a dad joke because you know how much we all love the dad jokes. If you've watched Sam Darnold play, why would you ever consider playing him on Halloween? <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, look, we're getting, it's funny how that works, right? Like the closer we're getting to Halloween and of course, uh, Sam Darnold starts, you know, uh, seeing ghosts, I guess again, but, uh, man, yeah, like he's just, he's, he's been awful. He's, he's been awful recently. And, as a Jet fan, I know it all too well. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 rough right now for for Sam Darnold and the Panthers. The the ownership projections that we have here, Mike, uh, people, uh, it looks like people are actually going to be in. Calvin Ridley, sixteen percent ownership. DJ Moore, fourteen percent. Those are two of the highest on the slate. So, uh, if you're looking to fade those, and maybe you're creating leverage somewhere else by by playing uh, someone else at the wide receiver position. Yeah. The Bengals are at the Jets. We have another big spread here. The Bengals are ten and a half point favorites with a forty three point total. And on the injury front for the Bengals, center Trey Hopkins and defensive end Trey Hendrickson are questionable. And then for the Jets, we know their quarterback Zach Wilson is out a couple of weeks. Mike White will start and their linebacker CJ Mosley was limited in practice on Wednesday and they can definitely use him because the Pats just ran. They threw screens. They threw it to their running backs. They did whatever they wanted with their running backs and they put up over 200 total yards and five touchdowns last week. So does that mean that we are in on someone like Joe Mixon who is 6,900 and obviously is part of a really good offense, uh, but his usage has been inconsistent. Like he had six targets two weeks ago, and then last week he was back down to zero targets. So he's been kind of tough to figure out this year. Uh, and then Jamar Chase has been amazing all season, but you know the price is finally catching up. He's now up to seventy five hundred. So uh, Mike, we'll start with you this time. Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, are you looking to pay up for either one? Uh, I would play either one of them in a tournament. I don't think I can get to either of them in cash games this week, though, which is kind of unusual. Usually, when they're in such a great spot. You could get to one of them in a cash game, but I personally can't get there. Love it in tournaments. If you think the Jets can keep this game competitive enough to where it's only a 7-10 to 10 point lead for most of the game, then yes, I, I love them. But uh, if they get up and have a lead here, I, I think we see some Pirine. I think we see some other players get worked in. Um, I, I love T. Higgins pretty much every week, but I think it's a super fragile spot where if he doesn't get a lot of damage in the first two quarters – and they're winning because Jamar Chase catches the long touchdown pass, Uzoma catches passes, whatever it may be. Uh, he he could not be playing at all in the fourth quarter. So I love them individually. I love them in tournaments. I can't get there in cash games. Um, and I don't know because I'm playing five lineups how much I will have. 
But I will say that I think, as crazy as it sounds, as much as we've seen Jamar Chase be someone that has been having huge week after huge week after huge week, I don't think he's going to be incredibly popular still. All right. See, you get the value plays in this game. T. Higgins checks in at 5,200, and he had 15 targets last week, only turned that into 62 yards, unfortunately. And I just wanted to bring up, you know, a lot of value running backs this week, specifically pass catchers. Michael Carter is 4,900 on DraftKings. He played a season-high 72% of the snaps coming off a bye, and he just had 19 touches with eight receptions. So Mike White in at quarterback, I think he's going to check down quite a bit. That could mean good things for Michael Carter. Yeah, uh, Mike White, by the way, the, the pride of Western Kentucky and Fort Lauderdale, where I live. He's actually uh, from uh, the Pembroke Pines area, went to high school in Fort Lauderdale. Um, that's, you know, because I, I say that about Mike White because I think most people think that's just a computer-generated name and it's like not a real person. <laughs> no, Mike White is an actual person and he's the quarterback this week, at least for this week, uh, for the New York Jets. So I like Michael Carter a lot at that price point. I mean, especially given, you know, a similar game script for the Jets week to week, he's probably going to get a lot of those targets. You said eight catches. That was eight catches on nine targets. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. And he's getting double digit rushing attempts, or at least he did last week. So he makes a lot of sense. And as far as, you know, this is not a game I'm going to be stacking. I'm probably going to be skipping out on Jamar Chase. You can only pay up in so many places. I do like Higgins, but I agree with Mike. If this does get out of hand, Higgins might not see the field, you know, later in the second half. But at 5,200, it's really hard to pass up given he had 15 targets last week. I mean, that is an incredible amount of targets. And I just think from a regression standpoint, yeah, he only had 62 yards with it. But, uh, you know, if you're getting 12 to 15 targets, more often than not, T. Higgins is probably working in a touchdown and something close to 80, 90, 100 yards. So I like him quite a bit. But outside of that, let's let's remember, this is a 43-point total. Uh, the Cincinnati implied total is 27. That's pretty high. But I think a lot of that probably goes to Mixon and then whatever pass catchers he works in there. But there's a lot of them. So it's Higgins and Mixon for me. I don't know that I'm going to be playing a lot of mixing, though. And maybe it goes to their defense as well. If you want to spend up a little bit, they are 3,600. The Bengals' defense is on DraftKings. And obviously going up against computer-generated Mike White, why not take the shot? Uh, if you want to compete against us in DFS this week, we have our Fantasy Football Today DFS contest, which is currently live on DraftKings, 150 entries, $5 to enter. The top 15 get paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you would like to join. And of course... Take down Sia, Mike, myself, and my dad. Uh, I've been thinking about this all podcast, and I just can't get it out of my head. Mike, you mentioned that the costume you're wearing for Halloween is one that you haven't worn for ten years. So, what are you going to be? So it's not that I. It's one that I wore previously. I'm saying I haven't worn a costume in ten years. Period. Okay. Um, so this costume is a <laughs> safari theme. Uh, my girlfriend would like to go on an African safari. And we are going to start that African safari journey on Halloween, apparently. So you're some kind of like Jungle Man. Jungle Man Mike McClure? Apparently. I, have not, I haven't <laughs> tried on said outfit costume. I haven't tried it on yet. It's going to be a truly last-minute deal. Perhaps there could be some late swap involved. All right. <laughs> Let's see what I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to the pictures here. Whoever whoever loses, look, I'm going to post pictures regardless. But uh, yeah, it should, should be fun. should be a fun weekend. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we've got six games down. We've got six more to go. We don't have that much time left. So let's let's speed through some of these games. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, the Steelers are at the Browns. The Browns are three-and-a-half-point favorites, 42-and-a-half-point total. Both Chase Claypool and Big Ben were limited in practice on Wednesday, but should be good to go. And for the Browns, there's a lot going on here. Nick Chubb said that his calf feels great and that he wants to play in Week 8. The expectation is that he's going to play. Jarvis Landry vows that he is going to play. He dealt with a knee injury on Thursday Night Football last week. And then Baker Mayfield looked good throwing at practice on Thursday, so... I'm assuming that he's going to go here. Obviously, AFC North divisional matchup. It's a very important game. Uh, and it's another game with big names, but a lower total overall. So let's start with the Steelers side of things. Najee Harris, the price is up to 7500 on DraftKings. He's the fifth highest priced running back on the slate. And then we have no more Juju Smith-Schuster, which, mean, which means we should see a more condensed uh, target concentration between Deontay Johnson, who is 6,700, and Chase Claypool, who is 6,300. Mike, we'll start with you. I know that you're really big on Najee Harris this year. Uh, 7,500, is that price getting too high to play him? Yeah, the price in the matchup makes it one that I'm not super interested. Uh, and then just having the plethora of backs in that price range, uh, mostly Swift, Jonathan Taylor, even Joe Mixon to the point that we just talked about. Uh, I don't think that I'll be in there in the... I don't know that I'm going to have any pieces of this game. Uh, it screams Big Ten football when you look at it. Uh, it's going to be slow defensive battle, low scoring. Uh, I don't think the Browns are going to want to throw the ball over the field too much here in this one. Um, yeah, I honestly, I, I don't think I'll have anyone uh, in this game. Yeah, I think the Browns are a little bit tougher, right? Because I'm not sure that we see a full compliment from Nick Chubb. His first game back, he's 6,800, which is the second lowest salary he's been all season on DraftKings. I don't know that we see him fully unleashed uh, coming back from that calf injury. And Dearness Johnson looked awesome last week. Uh, see, what do you think about this game in general? Any Browns that you're looking at? The one name that kind of stands out is Chase Claypool. Like The price is high at 6,300, but he's playing more now. And I think he has about as much upside as like any wide receiver, just talent-wise. Uh, I just don't know how, you know, if this game like actually gets that out of control, like points wise. Well, the, the problem with Claypool is last time he was out without Juju, which was a couple weeks ago, he looked pretty bad. He looked kind of lost. Him and Ben were not on the same page. He had, I think, six or seven targets and he did almost nothing with them. So he, they've had the bye week. I think they had the bye week last week. So, you know, they're, 
potentially maybe they're going to be on the same page. I think he's a fine GPP play because I don't think a lot of people will be playing him. But for me, I like Deontay Johnson. That's really the only piece I like here for two reasons. One is because he's almost an extension of the running game at this point. He is absolutely Big Ben's only reliable target. It truly is. And he gets, I mean, he's getting about 10 targets a game. So I like that, especially in DraftKings with a full point PPR. I was going to say Najee Harris, but looking at projected ownership, it's higher than I thought. He's he's in that 12% range. And honestly, if he was under 10%, I think I'd like it more. I thought he'd be under 10% just because of the other payup options in other games that have much higher totals than this 42 and a half. But that doesn't seem to be the case. So the only share I'm going to have here is Deontay Johnson. The only other play that I'll throw out in this one, uh, not player, but the Cleveland DST is 3K and they're going up against Big Ben, who is a statue and they can get after him, create some sacks, maybe some turnovers there as well. The last Mm -hmm. of the early games, the 49ers are at the Bears. The 49ers are four point favorites, 39 and a half point total. And Debo Samuel pops up on the injury report, did not practice Wednesday dealing with a calf injury and two starting offensive linemen for the 49ers. Trent Williams and Alex Mack also did not practice for the Bears. Khalil Mack did not practice and then Allen Robinson, Akeem Hicks and Tashawn Gibson were all limited. Mike, I know that you liked uh, Debo Samuel quite a bit here, but we do kind of have another West Coast team traveling, you know, into a middle part of the the country, I guess. So like, I don't know if that matters to you, but um, Debo Samuel seems like a good play, but now he's banged up. So what are we thinking there? Yeah, I'll wait and see what the word is, obviously, before I plug him in on Sunday, but I I expect him to be fine. I think it's just some rest uh, more than anything here at this point for him. Um, as far as them traveling, yeah, I think it matters. And I think that's going to lead to a little bit more of a competitive game. But frankly, that's what we want here. Um, we want them to be struggling a little bit. We want them to have to force the football to Debo Samuel. So he's someone that I'm going to be playing a lot. I love the, the targets. Uh, you look, the lowest number of targets he's had all season was in week two on the road at Philadelphia, where he had eight targets, converted that with six catches and 93 yards, still scored 16 DraftKings points. Um, I, I think it's a great spot for him. And as of right now, he's anchoring my lineups right next to Cooper Cup. All right. Uh, well, normally I would say, all right, let's just move on. You know, Debo Samuel's the only play here. But I think the running backs are in play. And, and again, like it's such a low total. I feel like we would just, whatever, we would just kind of disregard it. But uh, Khalil Herbert and Elijah Mitchell, they're 5,400 each on DraftKings. And uh, they they both have significant roles in their respective offenses. So, uh, see, I, I think we see a lot of running on both sides here, which doesn't make for the most exciting game. But, you know, this is a spot where we could see each of these guys have 15 plus touches. Oh, I disagree. I think this is a triple stack situation with Justin Fields, Allen Robinson, Darnell Moody, and Cole Komet. No, I'm, I'm kidding, uh, obviously. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, so here's the thing about Khalil Herbert. He looks really good, obviously. Uh, I don't know what was happening with Damian Williams. Now, you can argue he's the inferior uh, running back to Khalil Herbert, and that's probably a pretty good argument, although I'm kind of a Damian Williams truther. Uh, even with Kansas City, I thought he was much better than people perceived him to be, including people on the Kansas City staff. But with that said, he was just coming off COVID. So I think he potentially eats into Khalil Herbert's work a a little bit more than people expect. Elijah Mitchell, however, at 5,400, I think is pretty tremendous value. I I think Elijah Mitchell, I mean, he had 18 carries last week. Um, He he didn't get any of the passing work, which is kind of a problem, but I I suspect he might get one or two targets uh, this this game coming up. And and with a lead, which I, I... I expect them to have for a decent part of the game. I think they're going to lean on Elijah Mitchell quite a bit. So I don't like this game really at all. 
but I think Elijah Mitchell has pretty good value at 5,400. It's There's going to be no Khalil Herbert for me, though. Mike, real quick, uh, let's just say, for some crazy reason, Debo Samuel is ruled out. Brandon Ayuk at 4,200, would that be in play? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, let's move on to the afternoon slate. The Patriots are at the Chargers. The Chargers are five-point favorites with a 49-point total. And the Patriots had perfect attendance at Thursday's practice. And for the Chargers, their starting linebacker, Drew Tranquil, is questionable. The Chargers got destroyed by the Ravens before the bye. And I'd expect a much better showing here at home in a somewhat competitive game here against the New England Patriots. Uh, Expensive names to pay up here for the Chargers. Justin Herbert is the fourth highest priced quarterback on DraftKings. Austin Eckler is the fourth highest priced running back on DraftKings. Mike Williams is the third highest priced wide receiver. And then we have Keenan Allen once again down at 6,500. See ya. Are we paying up for the Chargers? Kind of, yeah. So there's a couple ways I think you can look at this. I, I, I... I'm probably going to have at least one stack with Justin Herbert and, and some pass catchers. And in, in that pass catchers conversation, I'm actually including Austin Eckler in that. Uh, I, but to be honest, I think my favorite thing in this game is just to try to, to have the cash uh, to pay up for Austin Eckler. Uh, Patriots are pretty good against the run, but but they're pretty bad against pass catching running backs. So you combine the fact that Austin Eckler is great. He's coming off a bye and he catches a lot of passes and he gets a lot of red zone work too. It just seems like such a smash spot potentially for Austin Eckler. Uh, as far as the other side of the ball, I mean, I, I I like Damian Harris quite a bit. We know you can run on the Chargers. Outside of that, in spite of this big total, I don't really love this game. But I think I don't think this stack is going to be very popular, which is why I think a Justin Herbert stack with either Keenan and Mike, uh, Keenan or Mike and Austin Eckler makes some sense with uh, a bring back option. You know, I might be interested in just, I don't know how popular this is, Mike, and you could talk about it, but if we think this game is just competitive on both sides and we just see like the running backs going off, like what do we think about just playing Eckler and Damian Harris as like a mini stack of its own? Because we know that the Chargers dare their opposing teams to run the football. They allow the highest yards per carry to running backs this season. Last time we saw them, they gave up touchdowns to Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, that that's that's pretty embarrassing. Uh, Damian Harris is 6,100, and he just ran for 100 yards and two touchdowns. What do we think about a mini stack of Eckler and Damian Harris in the same lineup? Uh, I think that it would have to be a mini stack. I would not include either quarterback in it. Uh, they're going to be most situations running backs like that will have a pretty strong negative correlation. However, Eckler does catch enough passes to kind of negate that. Um, as far as what I do it, it's definitely going to be different. Um, definitely, definitely going to be different if you do that. It could work. It could get there, but it's going to be really dependent on Damian Harris getting those yardage, getting in the end zone. Um, if that happens, the game is going to be competitive enough for Eckler to have the workload that is going to be required. Um, not something that I would generally do, but again, only playing five lineups. If you're playing a little deeper though, I I think it's an interesting play in this isolated situation because you do have that team that does encourage running the football combined with someone who really does catch passes out of the backfield. Okay. Is there anyone else in this game that you actually do like? (sighs) Not really. I mean, if you want to get really cute in a tournament, uh, I think Nelson Aguilar could be interesting. Um, just Jacoby Myers is someone who's going to be popular, but if you think that they're going to have to throw the football, I, I think that it's interesting, but would be a standalone play. I'm not considering stacking it. Um, just 
an interesting way to have a piece of the game with filling out that final roster spot that you might have. So I have a lot of builds that need between $3,500 and $5,000 wide receiver. Um, and he, he's just another name that is in that little player pool for me. Hunter Henry projecting at 3% ownership. Revenge game. He's 4,200 on DraftKings, has scored in four straight games. I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. All right, the Jaguars are at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are three and a half point favorites with a 44 point total. DJ Chark was confirmed out for the year this week, and Alex Collins has remained limited in practice. And we found our cash game tight end. Dan Arnold is 2,800. I know it seems gross. He's got a 16% target share since coming over to the Jaguars, and they traded for him. So I think to a certain extent, they're, they're going to use him. I think really the only other player I'm looking at in this game, Sia, is James Robinson just because of his role and the fact that you can succeed against the Seahawks on the ground, more so as a pass catcher. We saw uh, what Alvin Kamara did last week. Yeah, and, and that's really the only interest I have here. It's a 43.5-point total. I mean, you, I, I mentioned on Tuesday I kind of liked Trevor Lawrence as kind of a contrarian value play, but it's tough to justify that other than, you know, he is coming off a bye, and it's not like the Seattle defense is is really anything great. Uh, so, yeah, it's James Robinson for me or nothing. Uh, uh, although, no, to your point, I, I do like Dan Arnold. I'm, I'm going to be playing quite a few different tight ends this week, I think, but Dan Arnold, when I need to save money, it's going to be Dan Arnold time for sure. Uh, the only player on the Seahawks, maybe Mike, is just DK Metcalf, contrarian play. He's 6,800, so it's not like he's cheap or anything. But as we saw last week, even against one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, he can score an 80-yard touchdown at any point in any game. Uh, so that that's really all I've got for the Seahawks. Yeah, I don't mind it, honestly. Um, I... You know, I like Dan Arnold, so I naturally going to like someone on the other side just a little bit. Probably DK would be the guy. I probably think that you could play decaf over someone like Calvin Ridley, for example. If we know that Ridley's going to be taking some ownership, I think that's a really good pivot. Um, DK's been in the news, has a little drama going on in his life this week. I don't know if you've caught that or not, but uh, just note that there is some drama, some distraction for DK Metcalf in his life this week. Um, but Dan Arnold is really what this game is about for me. Uh, he's the punt tight end that I'm most interested in. James Robinson makes a lot of sense. Um, problem is, is that there's a lot of running backs that I like, so I, I don't think that I'm going to end up getting there. But certainly not going to be. Um, you know, I'm not going to fault you if you want to play James Robinson and chase that news, or chase the, the game that Alvin Kamara just had. Um, I, I think there's some legitimacy to that. All right, you brought up drama. I had to Google it. I'm not going to reveal what DK Metcalf is going through right now, uh, but you can yep. Google it and find out yourself. The Bucks. Well, what's what's really funny though is is Mike just gave uh, Metcalf an accidental nickname on uh, during bad games. He called him Decaf. That I, I assume that was by accident. That's that's how you said his name at first. So that's what yep. we'll call him when he lays an egg. All right, yep. fair enough. Uh, the Bucks are at the Saints. The Bucks are five and a half point favorites here with a 50 point total. This is the second highest total on the slate. And Gronk and Levante David looking good to return this week. And considering A.J. Brown was on crutches Wednesday, I would assume that he's closer to doubtful than uh, questionable at this point. And then for the Saints, their starting left guard, Andrus Pete, will have surgery on his pec. I didn't see if it's going to be season-ending, but he's definitely not going to play uh, this week. Alvin Kamara, uh, is he in cash consideration, Sia, or is this a GPP only uh, Alvin Kamara? I don't know that I'm going to get to Kamara. Period. I, I understand the. I understand why you would want to play Alvin Kamara against. Uh, you know, in this game with this total, 
Um, by the way, I don't think Andrews Pete's coming back. Usually pec surgery is out for the year, even if it happened like back in week two. That That's usually the um, prognosis there. I, I don't really know what to do with this game. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm the one that keeps preaching Tom Brady's going for MVP. And it's funny that uh, I barely played him last week. So, you know, I don't even take my own advice. But I, I think this game is interesting from a stack standpoint with like Tom Brady and the two pass catchers, uh, the primary ones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and you bring it back with, let's say, Alvin Kamara. But man, have you just spent basically all your money right there. So it's really hard for me to come around this game when I don't know what to expect out of Jameis Winston. And there's so many pay-up options I want that we've already gone through in that 7 to 8K range uh, and higher that I just don't think Alvin Kamara is going to make the cut for me. So it's just, it's just one of those guys that you have to cut some of these high-end guys off your list, and Kamara is going to be one of them. All right, so if you put Brady, Kamara, Godwin, and Mike Evans in your DraftKings lineup, you have 4100 to spend on the rest of your players here. So it's not impossible. You could throw so Cole you Beasley. So the Washington defense at 2100 Yep. And then you take, I guess, Cole Beasley would be a good one, and that should leave you with, what, 45, 4600 That will get you to 4500 So we could pay down a tight end for, like, Dan Arnold if you want to do that. Or I guess even Ricky Seals Jones, if you wanted to, if you wanted to play him, uh, and then you have fifty three fifty for a flex and a running back. It's it, it can work, you know. I mean, we have a lot of cheap running backs this week: the Texans, the Eagles, Michael Carter, Khalil Herbert, mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell. So, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be contrarian. I, I don't know how many people are going to pay up for those, considering all the other options that we have. But it's interesting. It, it's something I just think, you know. Just to extend that out for the fun of it, you could take David Johnson to 4,200 and then boom, for that last position, that flex position, you have somewhere in the neighborhood about, I'm guessing like 6,300 or so. That would give you 6,500 for your flex, which if you want a little uh, a little mini correlation action, it's it's obviously Daryl Henderson's going to be very, uh, very owned this week, but you can get Daryl Henderson in the same lineup as David Johnson, if you so please. Love it. Love um, it. Love it. All right, so if there's no Antonio Brown here, Mike, we have Mike Evans at 7K. We have Chris Godwin at 6,400. Gronk is returning. He is 4,600 on DraftKings. I don't know if this really matters because it's like such a small sample size. It's only two games, but Tom Brady did struggle against the New Orleans Saints last year, and their defense is getting healthier. So uh, I don't know if that matters for you at all. What do you think about the Bucks pass catchers? Um, I, I like... Uh... I like Goblin a little bit. I don't like Mike Evans as much in this matchup. I would not double stack them together against this defense. They actually have a pretty strong negative correlation, uh, Godwin and Evans. So I one, I mean, I think it's fine to play Brady and Godwin, run it back with Alvin Kamara, and then build the rest of the lineup from there. I don't think this is a week where I would force the double uh, handcuff with him. So as far as Alvin Kamara goes, I'm not going to get up to Alvin Kamara this week. I, I think that what's interesting about it is the price point that he's at currently, right? So we've seen Derrick Henry have huge games, right? He's 8,900. Alvin Kamara is 8,700. Now he's got arguably the toughest matchup that he's going to see all season. At 8,700 coming off that big game, going to have some bigger ownership than before. There's no real risk. Um, you know, I'm not missing out on anything by missing, by sending this one out. If I sit this one out, he repeats that game. His price is going to go from 87 to 8900 next week. It's $200 difference. I'm not going to have missed out and lost my opportunity to go play him again this season. So I'm easily going to sit this one out. If you look, if you're someone who has access to bet- betting, his player prop for receiving yards is 40 and a half in this game. At 40 and a half in this game, if you're not going to be able to get him in your lineup and you're worried about his 15% ownership in DFS, 
play the over on the 40 and a half receiving yards because I can almost guarantee you outside of fluky goal line touchdowns where he would probably need three of them at that price tag. If he does not have more than 40 and a half receiving yards in this game, he is not paying off that price tag, especially at 15% ownership to really cost you. So for me personally, I'm going to take the over 40 and a half receiving yards on the Sportsbook app, and I'm not going to be playing him in DFS this week. I think that's a great call too, because Leonard, uh, Alvin Kamara, over 100 receiving yards last week, and we've seen other running backs have big receiving games against the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's so hard to run against them that, that it's just it makes more sense to throw to your running back as an extension of the run game. I think it was like Miles Gaskin who had 10 receptions a couple of weeks ago and scored a, a receiving touchdown against them. So I think that's a fantastic call on Kamara. I, I, I love the betting crossover, by the way. I mean, I love that. I will say this, though, and, and, and uh, this is really more theory-based. After what the Bucks saw last week, I mean, obviously they're going to key in on Kamara. They would have anyway, regardless. But if you're playing Jameis Winston, Aren't you just forcing Jameis Winston to beat you and just trying to cover the everything underneath, which of course includes Alvin Kamara? So just something to point out. I, I just I, I wonder how this game is going to go ultimately, but I think they are going to. I mean, it's easy to it's easy to pass on Tampa Bay, but it is Jameis Winston. So I'm really interested to see how this game goes. As a Jameis Winston truther, I kind of hope that he just goes off, though I don't. I have zero confidence that it's actually going to happen. Uh, we did not mention Leonard Fournette's name at all, so I, I will just mention he is 6,300. Do you guys have any interest in Fournette? It's also a tough matchup against the Saints run defense. Not for me. Yep, not for me, not for me. As we've got the sun, I forgot to close the blinds again <laughs> on the other side. As you can see, the uh, the sun is attempting to set here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, what do Mike McClure and Sam Darnold have in common this time of year? I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Washington football team at the Broncos. The, the Broncos are three-point favorites here, 44 and a half point total. And we have Antonio Gibson is limited at practice, and Curtis Samuel did not practice for the Broncos. Von Miller, DNP, and Jerry Judy is back. He will play this week. And as you know very well, Sia, this is a strong matchup for the Broncos wide receivers because Washington's secondary has struggled all season long. Uh, so does that mean you have any interest in Sutton or Jerry Judy? I believe Judy is all the way down at 4,900, so he's, he's pretty affordable. He is. I, I'm just, again, I, I'm always happy to be early on somebody, but I don't know how much, I, I guess he's going to get a full complement of snaps, but I'm not 100% sure. And I'm also not sure how good Teddy Bridgewater is going to do against Washington. I mean, I, they are going to apply pressure to Teddy Bridgewater and that, that that's probably not going to be great for him. I think Judy and Sutton are fine as kind of one-offs in big GPPs, but I, I'm really not interested in anyone in this game other than the Washington football team defense. And for the record, I say this partly as a homer and partly because I know there is at least some sharp money on Washington, but I let's get into the betting angle real quick. I kind of like Washington plus three here. Um, that's just a side note, but I'm not interested in anything in this game other than the WFTD. I will throw out RSJ just because a tight end that's on the field as much as he is should not be less than $4,000. So he's 3,700 on DraftKings. He has played, I believe it's every single snap except except one since Logan Thomas has gone down. That kind of usage is elite for a tight end. Uh, Mike, any interest in this game at all? You say for a tight end, that usage is elite for any player True. in the National Football League that is not a quarterback. So 
yeah, Ricky Seals Jones is definitely in play. Uh, I would see I'll be playing the Washington football team's defense. Uh, I've already got interest in some positions on them with the points and in teasers on the betting side. So I am all in on Washington there. Uh, I think that one thing that we're forgetting about Washington is their losses this season have been to very good football teams, right? So while you may not say my Chiefs are very good, but they've lost to the Packers. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Saints. They lost to the Bills. They lost to the Chargers. Forget winning or losing, just having to play those teams in the first eight weeks of the season. They've played some really good football teams. They're still getting pressure on quarterbacks at times. I think that they're going to be able to here. Obviously, playing at altitude needs to be accounted for a little bit, but they're definitely the defensive choice at 2100 this week. No doubt about that. All right, let's wrap up with our week eight cheat sheet, our favorite value chalk contrarian plays, plus our favorite stack. And Sia, we will start with you. So let's start with Michael Carter as the value play at 4,900. We don't need to rehash it, but we do know that he's probably going to get uh, a lot of touches. And Tevin Coleman still seems banged up here. He, he showed up on the injury report again with a hamstring limited session. So it should be a, a lot for a lot of work for Michael Carter uh, in a negative game script, which frankly shouldn't matter. Chalk play is Daryl Henderson at 6,500. And for the record, value play, I almost put David Johnson in there, but I just wanted to put that out there at 4,200. Chalk play, Daryl Henderson. Contrarian play, uh, TJ Hawkinson. His ownership isn't very high, and I think he's got a really, really good opportunity. We talked about it earlier in the show. And my stack is going to be – I'm going to be playing a lot of um, bills. And my stack is uh, is Josh Allen to Diggs. I think you can step down from that if you want because you need the savings to like a Josh Allen to Cole Beasley or maybe Emmanuel Sanders. But I do like Josh Allen to Diggs, especially coming off the bye. TJ Hawkinson currently projecting for 6% ownership, so I do like that as a contrarian call there. I think a lot of people are going to try and spend down at tight end this week. Mike, you're up. Value, chalk, contrarian, favorite stack. Value play, Dan Arnold, 2,800. Uh, we're going to need some savings somewhere this week. We lack some severe op- or some top options uh, at the tight end position, so I think this is a great spot. For Dan Arnold, as you mentioned, they went out and got him uh, for a reason. For the chalk play, going to play Cooper Cup. Um, not going to mess around with that one this week. I think this floor is too high in this one. For the contrarian play, going to be Boston Scott for me. I think that there is a scenario where he ends up being on the field a little bit more than we think he is. Uh, at 4,400, I, I love it. Um, I think that just because they're playing the Lions, don't discount the Eagles' ability to fall behind in football games. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that there could be some scenarios here. Like if they fall behind by a touchdown or two in this game, Boston Scott's going to be on the field. He's going to be catching passes because the reason they're going to be behind is Jalen Hurts is not going to be able to get the ball to Devontae Smith. He's going to struggle with that. So I I think he's going to check down a ton. Uh, And then my favorite stack, though, is still going to be Hurts to Goddard. Um, 7,200, I I like the savings from Josh Allen. Goddard's still fairly priced at 4,700. He basically is this week's top tight end uh, in terms of having that ceiling, in my opinion. So that's where I'm going to be going this week. Wow, Mike, no chief stack this week. (laughs) How long did it take you to come up with that one? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to wrap up here. Value play for me. Cole Beasley is sub 5K on DraftKings. He's 4,900. I like both him and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Probably going to play a little bit of each, but if you're just uh, playing one of them, I'll take the savings on Cole Beasley there. Chalk play for me. Chris Godwin looks like Antonio Brown is not going to play. And we saw last week when the targets are condensed, uh, Chris Godwin had an absolutely monster game. He's inside of the dome here against New Orleans. Saints. Contrarian, I mentioned him earlier. You kind of talked me off him a little bit here, Sia, but I still think he has big upside. I think he's super talented, and it's Chase Claypool. He's 6,300. The price is a little bit higher than I would want it to be, 
But again, I think he has as much upside as like any wide receiver just in terms of his talent. And the Browns have struggled against wide receivers this season. The stack that I'm looking at this week, I'm trying to save a little bit of money. So Carson Wentz, 5,700. That game has crept up to the highest total on the slate, uh, throwing to Michael Pittman at 5,300. Regardless of T.Y. Hilton is in there or not, I think Pittman has a pretty safe floor. uh, Really strong matchup there. Really important game in the AFC South there between the Colts and the Titans. Let's wrap it up. For Mike and Sia, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS, the next time you hear us, will be on Tuesday when we are recapping all of Week 8's action. We'll take an early look at Week 9 as well. We will see you then.